You're up is the title of this morning's message. Turn to your neighbor and say, you're up. See, here's the thing. We, when, when a baseball manager gets into the groove of the game and something happens where he has to replace a player, he begins to look around and he calls somebody's name and he says, Joel, you're up. And what does that mean? It means I better be ready to walk on the field at any given moment and play, right? It means I'm up. How we respond in the church world is God is the manager of the ball team and he says, Joel, you're up. Many of us respond like, who is that? I thought I heard somebody call my name. Tommy, did you call my name? I didn't call your name. And so we miss the call many times simply because we're not prepared. The main topic we're going to be talking about this morning uh, at church today is spiritual growth. Spiritual growth in the body of Christ, and that's what these groups are formulated to do, is to cause spiritual growth in the body of Christ. Now, last week we talked about that you're more than a jersey, and I, and I had a, a friend let me borrow a baseball jersey because y'all know I don't have one, okay? <laughs> and so I let a friend loan me a, a baseball jersey, and we talked about last week you're more than a jersey. Many Christians are satisfied being born again, and they're happy that their name's on a jersey, and they're part of the body of Christ, but you're just happy with a jersey, and it's time that we get more than happy than just wearing a jersey. It's time that we change our philosophy, our thinking, our theology even, that we realize and understand we were called to do more than just wear a jersey with our name on it written in the blood of Jesus Christ, amen? And so we talked about being more than a jersey. We talked about being in the on-deck circle. And every Christian in Sunday morning worship service, you're basically in the on-deck circle. You're there, you're in the on-deck circle, and in the on-deck circle, everybody looks good right? Because you're not swinging at a ball. <laughs> in the on-deck circle, it's the circle that you stand in if you are the next up to bat. And in the body of Christ, we've trained people to do very well to stand in the on-deck circle. And so they got these two, some people hold two or three bats and they got weights on them. They're just out there. Man, everybody looks good in the on-deck circle. Kind of like your practice golf swing before you even really try to swing at the ball. You look good in your practice swing <laughs> because you're not hitting the ball. But it doesn't matter how good your practice swing looks is if when this connects with the ball, the ball doesn't go where it's supposed to go. Or if you pop it up and you get out. Or if you hit a foul ball. It doesn't matter how good you are in the on-deck circle. And we have believers all through the world that are satisfied with being in the on-deck circle. You're satisfied having a jersey. You're satisfied looking good. You even got your own bat, or we would call it a Bible that's got your name on it that only you use. And you even know how to hold it and carry it and look good with it. But we stay in the on-deck circle. Well, last week we talked about it's time to step up to the plate. And as you step up to the plate, this bat, it's the driving force connected to the power source that'll help you hit a home run. And so when you pick up the word of God, it is the, the, the driving force connected to the power source, the Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit on the inside of you. Amen? Amen. And, and Jesus said this, my words are spirit and they are life. And so the physical Bible that you read, when you begin to read it, the anointing of God comes out of you onto his words and they, are, they become life to people. So it is the driving force connected to a power source, the God on the inside of you. And if you don't have both, the bat without the, the, the power source is useless. The, 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 the power source without the driving force is useless. I've never seen anybody get up to bat with no bat, right? I've never seen it. So you must have those working in conjunction with one another. And so we're more than a jersey. We're not in the on-deck circle, and it's time to step up to the plate. And God calls your name, and he says, Joel, you're up. 
It's time for you to play. And so I better be ready and prepared to play. But here's the thing, what hinders most spiritual growth? What hinders most spiritual growth is not a lack of knowledge, it's not a lack of skills, and it's not a lack of ability. What hinders most most spiritual growth is simply this, a bad experience. A bad experience hinders more spiritual growth than anything else. Because with a bad experience, you're not only not going to read, not going to develop your skills, not going to develop your abilities, you're literally afraid that when you've had a bad experience with a church and a spiritual situation or anything going on, that did I hear the voice of God right this time? And you stand off. You stand off. Now, I talked about last week that baseball players are some of the craziest people I know. Okay? Baseball players are some of the craziest people I know because anybody who will stand 60 feet from a plate and let this round object be thrown at their head 100 miles an hour, you're crazy. And who's even crazier than the, than the, pit, than, than the batter is the pitcher? Because... As he's throwing this 100 miles an hour, somebody's got a driving force connected to a power source that's hitting it straight back at his head. (laughs) Y'all are nuts. Y'all are crazy. So the job of the pitcher is to throw this ball in such a way that the batter swings and does what? Strikes out. And there's something that happens in our life called a bad experience that makes more people strike out than ever before. And when you have a bad experience, the next time you walk up to the plate, you walk up to the plate in what? In fear. In fear that something's going to happen again. And over time, we become more focused on the, 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 the nine players trying to get us out. And we put, more faith, we put more faith in the people trying to get us out than we put faith in the God that can get us over the fence. And many times when we look out and we get up to bat, we're not looking over the fence. I love the greatest baseball player of all time just holds the bat up like that. And you know where he's hitting. He was not looking at the pitcher. He wasn't looking at the other eight players trying to get him out. He had more faith in his ability to hit the ball over the fence than he had fear in their ability to get him out. We in the body of Christ, it's time, it's time to come that we step up to the plate. And as we stand here, we have more faith in a God who can get us to hit the ball over the fence than we have fear in an enemy who's trying to stop us. And as we get up to the plate... The Bible says, dear children, understand this. Greater is he that's in you than he that's in this world. And so therefore, because we are talking about a spiritual concept here and we have a driving force connected to the power source, we get up here and we know the power source on the inside of us is greater than the things that are in this world. So now that when you step up to bat, you step up to bat with no fear. But here's the thing. That bad experience is still going around in your head. That bad experience is similar to a, a wild pitch. And a wild pitch is called a wild pitch simply because it's just that. It's a wild pitch. And, and a wild pitch where the pitcher intends the ball to go, it didn't go. And so when a pitch is thrown and it's a wild pitch, and, and you're up here at the bat and it's coming straight towards your head, your reaction is like, what? And the bat goes flying and you fall on your back. And then, you, and, then, and, and then if you're a major league baseball player, by the time you're about to hit the ground, you're already thinking, I got to get up, I got to look like I'm mad, I got to act cool, but in reality, I'm freaking out that this ball almost hit me in the head. <laughs> right? I mean, that, that's how it is. And so in reality, we try to do that spiritually too. We get a wild pitch thrown at us, and it just comes straight towards our head, and we get knocked down, and we try to play the game of let's get up and let's look okay. But that bad experience is now caused a false foundational belief in your life the false foundational belief of every time i get up to bat this ball is coming straight at my head that false foundational belief was firmly implanted in your head and so when a bad experience happens that false foundational belief is in your head and spiritual growth is this spiritual growth is getting past the wild pitch and so you don't strike out so you can get a home run it's getting past the bad experiences of your life if you've had a bad experience lift your hand good everybody raising their hand (laughs) okay 
I mean, if you want to sit down with me for about an hour, I can talk to you about all the wild pitches that have came uh, my way this year. I mean, it's just been nonstop. I mean, I could just put a list out for you. But I'm not going to let a bad experience hinder me from doing the work of God because greater is he that's in me than he that's in this world. I got more faith in a God to help me get it over the fence than the nine players who are trying to get me out. And so don't let your bad experiences hold you back. The result of a wild pitch is sometimes you actually do get hit by the ball. And when you get hit by a ball, there's a core-based belief of lie-based thinking that's developed on the inside of you, especially if you get nailed as a kid and you don't have a figure, a coach, a loving coach to help you get back up and stand at the plate and reassure you and walk you through the bad experience. Some of you have been hit by pitches in your Christian walk. You've been drilled by pitches in your Christian walk. And you've been hit by enough that you're sitting here thinking, if every time I step up to the plate, they're going to throw a wild pitch. I'm not going to the plate anymore. I'm not getting up there. And that false foundational thing that happened by the wild pitch has now created a core base of lie thinking on the inside of you. That every time you get up, the lie is this. That every time I get up, I'm going to get hit by a pitch. That's not the truth because a wild pitch is called a wild pitch because they happen once in a great while. It's not everyone. Most of the time, the pitcher has great control of his ball and where he's throwing it and where he wants it to go. And so because of one bad experience or a couple wild pitches, many people have decided, Pastor, I, I love the game, but sitting on the bench is a lot safer place. I got my jersey. I got my bat. I'll even go to the on-deck circle, but Pastor, it's... A lot safer here in the dugout. It's a lot safer in that area. And so as you begin to develop in your life, you're going to have wild pitches and things that hit you in life. And spiritual growth is uncovering the lie and letting the truth empower you to go back to the plate. Spiritual growth is uncovering the lie that the devil implanted in your life the moment something bad happened. How many of y'all have ever been in a car wreck? I've been in, how many of y'all have been in more than one? More than two? More than three? Hey, you're in my boat. We're there. Did it stop you from driving again? Did it cause you fear the next time you got in the car? Started paying a little bit more attention to what you were doing. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> Started paying a little bit more attention to what you're doing. But in that thinking, many people with a bad experience, they harbor this lie-based thinking on the inside of them. And this lie-based thinking on the inside of them tells them that every time I go to try this or go to do that, something negative is going to happen, and that is simply not the case. But because you believe the lie, it has now become your truth, right? Because you put faith in that lie, it has now become your truth. And the problem is we are believing a lot of lies just as they are truth, and that's why we do not see great spiritual growth in the body of Christ many times. What base groups is designed to do is to grow spiritually, to uncover the lies that have been placed in your life. Some of you have even been apprehensive about joining a base group because you've been or seen in churches that I've seen this go really wrong at some point in my life. Well, I've seen it go really right at a lot of places in my life. Amen? So do not let the lie-based belief that's in the inside of you because you got hit with a wild pitch stop you from stepping up into the plate because greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. And quit believing the lies because the lies are just that. They're lies. They're not truth. There's a certain kind of pitch out there. It's called a curveball. It's called a curveball. I can't throw it, so I'm not even going to attempt to throw it. I don't even know how they hold the ball to throw a curveball. That's how baseball ignorant I am, okay? But listen to this. A curveball is a type of pitch that is thrown with a characteristic grip and a hand movement that imparts forward spin on the ball. So as the ball is going the direction towards the plate, whatever spin they have on it, the ball will dip or drop or go to one side or go to the other and cause the batter to swing and what? Miss. Many times, life throws us a curveball. Everything's going good. You got up to the plate. The ball's coming right down the middle. This is the perfect pitch. 
I mean, you're ready for it. And you got your bat back, you got your elbow up, and you're about to step into it. And as soon as you begin to swing, the ball drops, and you miss it altogether. And you're like, what in the world? What just happened? See, the problem is life throws curveballs at us all the time. Life throws curveballs at us. It looks like life is going perfect. It's coming right down the center. You're about to knock a home run. And then all of a sudden, without knowing it, you lose your job. All of a sudden, without you knowing it, your car breaks down. All of a sudden, without you knowing it, you have a medical issue that takes place in your family's life. All of a sudden, without you knowing it, you get a bad diagnosis from a doctor. All of a sudden, without you knowing it, when everything was great and it was coming right down the middle and you're about to hit a home run, something catastrophic takes place. And it seems like the world just fell out from underneath you. And the the problem with the world falling out from underneath you is this what happened versus your interpretation of what happened are two different things right if you've ever been in a car wreck what happened and what your interpretation of what happened are probably two different things especially if it's kind of shady on whose fault it was your interpretation gets skewed real quick see when the ball left the pitcher's hand it already had the curve going on the second it left its hand. It took the 60 feet, the distance, for it actually to get the momentum and the curve to do what it was supposed to do. And they got this pitch timed just right, so at 58 feet it drops. The enemy is just like that. He'll throw something your way, and when he releases it, it's already set into motion. And it's already got the curve in it the second it leaves his hand. And at the second it leaves his hand, the curve's already in it. It just takes that little bit of momentum and over that time of, of 58 feet to reach what it's supposed to do to drop. And our interpretation of what happened versus what really happened are completely different. And because our interpretation many times of what happened is completely different than what actually happened, there is an emotional tie to the issue that just took place. For example, if you were ever um, in a medical emergency, if you were ever in a medical emergency and something major happened to one of your close family members, every time you hear a siren, what happens? <gasps> I wonder if, if you've ever been in financial destruction of any kind and your world was just ripped out from underneath you and the minute you hear of an economy crash or a recession maybe about to happen, you start pulling back and you start walking in fear and not in faith anymore. The minute you start hearing about the, the economy may go bad and you've lost one job because of an economy collapse, you're already thinking, Oh God, I hope I don't lose this job. See, the problem is what happened versus your interpretation of it is the emotional attachment is attached to your interpretation of it. And it's not the memory itself that brings pain. It's the emotions and the hurt that were attached to the memory that brings pain because now every time you hear a siren or a job laid off, what comes up? Not the memory, the emotion. It's the emotion that comes up. And spiritual growth is this. Spiritual growth is, uh, spiritual growth is getting past our interpretation of what happened and finding a firm foundation in the word of God so we don't swing at every curveball. It's getting past our interpretation of this. And church, it is this. It's getting a firm foundation in the word of God. And I want to talk to you just for a second about the song we sang this morning, We Believe. We sang a song, We Believe. And if you do not know what you believe, you just simply need to memorize that song. You must start becoming theologically sound and know what you believe as a Christian. Because if you don't, you will swing at every curveball there is. If you don't, you will strike out more times than you will hit the ball. If you don't, you will start missing it so much that you won't even go to the plate anymore. And it is a firm foundation in the Word of God. Now, I'm going to explain something this morning. Just because something bad happened to you doesn't mean it was God's will and God's plan and he's got a purpose for all this junk you're going through. I'm going to explain this because here's the deal. We live in a fallen, broken, sin-nature world. And in this fallen, broken, sin-nature world, bad things are bound and destined to happen because Jesus even said this, in this life you will have trouble. 
Jesus said, they hated, you, they hated me, they're going to hate you. So I'm not, I, don't, I don't understand it when Christians are in shock when the enemy starts coming against them. Because Jesus said, be ready for it. Be ready for the curveball. And this is why I said spiritual growth is having a firm foundation in what the word of God says. Because if you will base your life on the word of God, we just did a whole family series, the wise man built his house on the rock, the word of God, Jesus Christ himself. If you will base your belief on the word of God, your interpretation will begin to change about what happened. Because whether you believe it or not, the world doesn't revolve around you. Correct? The world doesn't revolve around Joel T. Meyer. So understand this, that if the world doesn't revolve around me, but I'm seeing everything through me and my eyes, it doesn't matter what it is, good or bad, I'm having a skewed perspective of it because I'm not up here seeing the whole big picture yet. Now, in the midst of your problems, your trials, your pains, and your curveballs that have been thrown at you, God does promise this, and I will work out all things together for good to those who love me and are called according to my purposes. So if something bad happens and then something good comes out of it, don't go over here and say, well, God must have made something bad happen so I can get something good out of it. No, something bad occurred, but God being faithful to you because of his son, Jesus Christ, now brings you to a place of victory because he says, greater is he that's in you than he that's in this world, and you are now an overcomer and more than a conqueror in Christ Jesus. And we're going to stand on those things. Spiritual growth is having a firm foundation in the word of God so we don't swing at every curveball. One of the most fascinating pictures that I've seen out there is this. It's called a knuckleball. And these pictures are amazing, guys. They literally hold the ball like this. Have you ever tried to throw a knuckleball? I mean, it's even worse than that. It's more like this. And when they throw it, it they like fling it out there. And it's not a very fast pitch, not at all. But the skill that they have to do it is amazing. And when they throw it, it doesn't hardly spin and it just goes like this. I mean, craziest thing ever. If you can watch somebody throw a good knuckleball, it's the most mesmerizing thing ever. And in fact, here's the problem, here's the bait, here's the trap, is that the knuckleball, you get so caught up in the ball and you're used to it coming at 100 miles an hour, and now that it's not spinning and only coming at 70 miles an hour, you're like, swing, 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 no, wait, 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 swing, and then you just miss. Because everything is gone crazy when somebody throws a knuckleball. The knuckleball is a baseball pitch thrown to minimize spin in flight, which causes erratic, unpredictable motion we got too many christians who are swinging at knuckleballs and because you've got so used to swinging at knuckleballs your reaction becomes like the pitch erratic and crazy and you're not knowing where it's going because you've had bad experiences in the past this creates an inner struggle with what we believe and what we say we believe what we believe and what we say we believe what we truly believe is here what we say we believe is here a lot of people say, yes, pastor, I believe in tithing, but do you ever tithe? No, then you don't believe. Because what you truly believe, you'll do, right? I mean, it's, just, it's a byproduct of life. And if you don't, that just means we've got to work on this area here to help you build a foundation on the word of God so you don't start missing the curveballs and you can get to where God's called you to be at the plate. And a lot of people, they say they believe one thing, but if our actions distinctly show something different, then we don't really believe it. I believe we as Christians should love unconditionally, Right? I know that's what the word says. I can't truly say I believe it because my actions don't correspond with it. I have great knowledge of how we should act, but to say I truly believe it, that means my actions will line up with it. So you can say, you don't say you believe it if you're not really doing it. You say, I got knowledge of it and I need to work on my belief in it, <laughs> right? Jesus said, turn the other cheek. How many of y'all been doing good at that lately, right? Jesus said, if some man um, comes and, and takes your, your, your coat, give him your tunic as well. If he makes you go one mile, go with him two miles. How many of y'all been doing that pretty regular lately, right? Right, we believe the word of God. Oh, we believe it's true, pastor. It's an error from beginning to end. No, we believe, we really, really, if we're gonna get honest, we believe sections of it and the parts we wanna believe that benefit our life the most, 
right? We believe in forgiveness when somebody's hurt us, but not when we're supposed to forgive, right? Well, you don't know how wrong they did me. It doesn't matter. I thought you believed in forgiveness. I do. Well, forgive them. I can't. <laughs> then you don't believe it. You know it. You just don't believe it. And that's the job of the knuckleball. It's like you know it's coming. You see it coming, but you can't help but swing at it even though you shouldn't. And the problem is what we say we believe and what we really believe are far apart. And listen to this. What we say we believe and what we really believe are, are far apart. And so at any given moment, uh, uh, what we feel in any given moment is the reality of what we experientially believe. Spiritual growth is this. Spiritual growth is doing it in fear of what happened uh, in, in spite of the fear of what happened last time. A lot of times that you your actions or what you say you believe and your, um, and your actions don't line up because of a bad experience. We talked about this at the very beginning of the message. And because of a bad experience with, well, since we brought it up already, we'll say tithing. Well, pastor, I tithed and my water heater broke the next week, right? I told you, man, the devil doesn't like you doing what the word of God says. It's, get ready. We're in a battle. Paul told you how to dress for it. Have us walk out the house naked each day wondering why we're getting shot, right? I mean, come on. And in this, we have these knuckleballs coming at our life all day long. And now that we're coming at our life and we got this erratic behavior of we say we believe this, but our actions don't really show it, the world's looking at us like, what in the world's going on? The church is not, I don't understand this thing called church because, and the fact of the matter is, your social clubs are more like a church than the church sometimes. Because you want to go to your social clubs because you love the people who are there. I'll use an example in my life. I love going to the CrossFit gym not just to work out because I love the people who are there. We got something in common. We're crazy. We, we like to kill ourselves. and It's just weird people there. All you mothers who got babies, you like to hang out with mamas that got babies because what? You got something in common. It even goes so far as gangs in the inner cities act more like a church should than the church. Because once you're in a gang, you're in. And, and they got your back to the very end. And so what we believe in our actions must start corresponding. Spiritual growth is a corresponding of what you believe and what you say you really believe within experience. And now the time comes when you're up at the plate. And because a wild pitch was thrown and that was a ball, and because the, the devil's throw some other things at you and he's got a couple more balls, but you swung at the curveball and you swung at the knuckleball, you got three balls and two strikes, and what's that called? A full count. It's called a full count. And now at a full count, there's, there's, there's two things that are going to happen. Either he's going to throw a ball or you're going to hit the ball. Now forget this scenario. Well, if I foul tip it, I get another swing. Quit it. Just go with me. I don't have time to go down that road. Okay? Either he's going to throw a ball and you're not going to swing because you see it coming, or you're going to swing and you're going to miss and you're going to be out. It's the full count. So now something has got to happen. The pitcher's up there with all the pressure on him. You're up there with all the pressure on you. And as the ball begins to come, as the full count begins to take place, something has got to happen. Spiritual growth is doing, doing it in spite of the fear of what happened last time. And I just mentioned that it's in spite of the fear of what happened last time because when you know you got to swing, even if it's close, you can't be afraid to swing. On the full count, the biggest problem comes in is in our spiritual walk is do I swing or do I not? We go by feelings rather than what we know we should. We go by feelings rather than what we really see. We go by feelings rather than what the foundational belief of the word of God should tell us. Tithing. Me and my wife are going to write the check no matter how we feel because we believe in the word of God over the current financial situation that or however it may look, good or bad. What's in our bank account does never dictate if we tithe or if we don't. It, it has no dictation on it. So the devil knows that that pitch is out because if he throws that pitch to Sherry and I, it's coming straight down the wheelhouse, we're hitting a home run. So he's going to try something different, and he does. 
Believe me. And so in this process, you got the full count going on, and you got to swing. And so as the full count comes on, and there's three balls, and there's two strikes, and you're standing here, and you begin to think back of the wild pitch, and that memory's running through your head, and now you got emotions attached to the wild pitch, and because it freaked you out, why are you, you're asking yourself, why am I even standing at the plate? And then you threw a curveball, and you looked good. I mean, it looked great, and as it came down the plate, you swung and you missed because at the last second, it dropped out from underneath you. And then he threw a knuckleball that was absolutely the most mesmerizing ball that there that has ever been thrown, and you didn't even swing. And now you're wondering. He's got you thinking way too much. And as you're standing here thinking way too much, he's already got his game plan ready. As you're standing here overthinking everything that you've done wrong, God's trying to get your attention over in the dugout saying, listen to me, listen to me. The enemy's gonna throw a fastball right down the middle because he's more scared than you are. Listen to me. But because we're too busy overthinking, we're not hearing the voice of the manager. Because we're too busy overthinking, and we're living in fear of the knuckleball or the curveball or the wild pitch because we're too busy overdoing it because we're too busy having our mind preoccupied. God's over here the whole time telling you the next pitch because the Bible says in John 14, I'm gonna send the Holy Spirit and he'll tell you things to come. God's over here saying he's throwing a fastball right down the middle because he's more scared than you are, Pastor. So Pastor, I know you've had bad experience. Pastor, I know in your personal life and in your ministry life and in your family life, all hell is broken loose on almost every area. I know what you've been through, Pastor. I've seen it. But the job of the player is not to look at the picture. It's to hear the voice of the manager. And if the manager starts talking, I need to zone everything out. And it's amazing what happens with, with major league hitters that are awesome. And, and when, this is my favorite batter of all times. I mean, just because he's crazy and y'all won't like him at all, but he... He's funny to me, and I love the way he would bat. It's called Manny Ramirez. He's played for the Boston Red Sox. And the difference between Manny Ramirez and, a and Alex Rodriguez is this. Manny Ramirez would get up to the plate with nothing going through his head. He didn't care. He didn't care if he struck out last time. It was fun for him to play the game. And you could see him up at the plate, and he would just relax. I mean, he wouldn't even stand, or he'd just be doing it. And the bat would just be on his shoulder. He wouldn't be, be up ready to play. He'd just be standing there. And the pitcher would throw the ball. I'm like, is he not going to get ready? And all of a sudden, as soon as the ball left his hand, he'd be ready. Bam! Because he could hear the voice of his manager. Alex Rodriguez, I call him the greatest overthinker of all times. He's a great player, don't get me wrong. Had some help. He's a great player. Y'all get that if you know baseball. He stands here, and it's like you can see his mind clicking through. Is he going to do this, or is he going to do this, or is he going to do this? Instead of worrying about him swinging the bat, he's worrying about what the pitcher's going to throw. You need to worry about swinging the bat. Don't worry about what the pitcher's throwing, because God's going to tell you things to come. Quit worrying about what the pitcher's going to throw. Because you know what? I don't know what tomorrow holds, and neither do you, but God does. I don't know what's going to take place in the next six months, six years. I don't know if in two hours we're going to be at a worldwide World War III because Israel and Gaza got it going on. I don't know, okay? But I do know this. I'm called to step up to the plate and I'm called to swing the bat because the manager called my name. And I'm going to get up to the plate and I'm going to swing the bat because the manager called my name in spite of the past fears and the bad experiences of the past. Spiritual growth is about rising above, not in your power, but in his power. The greatest aspect of spiritual growth is this. It's not to read more, it's not to study more, it's not to pray more, it's to get a new experience while you're reading, studying, and praying. Because understand this, you took a bad experience that stunted your physical growth, or your spiritual growth, it's gonna take a brand new experience with God to make your spiritual growth take off again. The only way you get a new experience is by stepping back up to the plate. The only way you get a new experience is by saying, God, I'm putting more faith in you than I am in myself because you called my name. And get this, the manager knows exactly how many times you struck out. 
The manager knows, manager knows exactly how many times that you've stumbled running across first base and got called out and got busted stealing and everything else. The manager knows it all. <laughs> he's got your stat sheet, but he still called your name. He still called your name. This morning, God is still calling your name, and he knows every stat of your life. Okay? He knows it all. And God still calling your name this morning has got you in a place where he's saying, Joel, I know what you've been through. I know the pains, the hurts, the experiences, but I'm calling you again. And listen, he's not calling you to more pain, and he's not calling you to more hurt, and he's not calling you to more bad experiences. He's calling you to come and step up to the plate and swing the bat because he's about to tell you what's happening. I want to ask you this this morning. Will you simply this morning get a brand new experience? Will you simply this morning respond to the voice of God and get a new experience?